just a few days before Thanksgiving, I found myself in uh, the conference room of a bank not too far from here. And I was there to do some brainstorming with some friends that I know and trust. The discussion we were having was the result of a suicide that happened this past spring. Uh, he was a well-known guy in town. I knew him socially, but not very well. He was um, a businessman, well-respected, had a beautiful wife, two children who were in college. And from the outside, he had what looked like and what appeared to be a, a pretty amazing life. But in March, he got up early one Monday morning, and he drove out to a particular place, and he sent a few text messages off on his phone, and he took his own life. And it shocked everybody, especially his family and his close friends. They didn't see it coming. So I sat there in that conference room with some of his close friends and his wife, now widow, asking the question, what can we do to keep others from doing this same thing? What can we do to let people who feel like they are at the end of their rope know that they are loved and cared for? That there is hope no matter how hard life might get? That there is hope even when you don't feel like pressing forward? That there is hope even in the worst of circumstances? We live in a world where there is, unfortunately, a lot of hopelessness. Where a lot of people live their lives feeling alone, feeling isolated, afraid, rejected, and sometimes they begin to wonder if the world would be better off without them. They wonder if anybody would, would even notice if they weren't there. The prophet Isaiah, wrote these powerful words centuries ago. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Friends, Advent is here. It's the four-week period leading up to Christmas. It's a time of preparation, a time of getting ready for the birth of Jesus Christ. Tonight at 5 o'clock p.m., we'll have our annual Hanging of the Greens service here in the sanctuary, which is a, a festive service of carols and lessons and singing those Christmas hymns that we love. And then next Sunday, we'll continue a 35-year tradition here at Woodmont by putting on Walk Through Bethlehem, which is a gift that we give to the Nashville community, and it's still not too late for you to help us this week get that ready. But during the season of Advent, there are four virtues that we lift up, each of them symbolized by a different candle on the Advent wreath. What are they? It's hope, peace, joy, and love. Hope in a world that often feels hopeless and full of bad news. Peace in a world of noise and distraction, technology and busyness, war and violence, anger and hostility. 
joy in a world that sometimes feels repetitive and mundane, and love in a world where many feel lonely, ignored, and unappreciated. One of the reasons that Christmas is so special is because in our culture, we would have to admit that hope is not the dominating mindset that people live with day in and day out. In fact, many people in the world today seem to live hopeless, feeling lives at times. And many people today are coming into this Christmas season in a hopeless state of mind. Think about this. Think of the people in California who have lost their homes and their loved ones to the wildfires that have been going on for the past month or more. Think of the people who have family members battling cancer or terminal illness, even those right here in our own church family. Think of the troops stationed all over the world in war zones and different countries who will not get to see their loved ones, their wives, their husbands and children this Christmas. Think of those who have recently lost loved ones. And so this will be the first Christmas if they don't have somebody that they have loved dearly. And this will be a season of, of grief and, 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 and there'll be an empty seat at the, at the table for them. Think about those who battle depression. Studies say that at least one out of every 20 people deals with some form of depression. And I've seen it firsthand in my family. I know many of you have as well. Depression is probably one of the most significant manifestations of hopelessness in our culture. And it's real, it's serious, it's on the rise in our world today. And sometimes the holidays will actually make it worse for certain people. I read a fascinating book this year that I told you about a couple of months ago, but the book was written by British journalist Johan Hari, and it's called Lost Connections. The book focuses on what he believes are the underlying causes of depression and how they can be addressed. Hari basically says that for too long we've looked at depression and anxiety as simply being chemical imbalances in the brain. And maybe that's true, he doesn't dismiss that. But he says there is something happening before that imbalance occurs. There's something going on that, that helps lead to that particular state. And he calls it lost connections. Lost connections with meaningful work. Lost connections with our values. Lost connections with friends, family, and other people that we love. Hari says, what if depression is, in fact, a form of grief? for our own lives not being as they should? What if it is a form of grief for the connections we have lost yet still need? Harvard psychiatrist Armand Nikolai has that famous quote where he says, the cause of despondency in many today is an awareness of a gap between what they think they ought to be and what they feel that they are. There is a discrepancy between an ideal that they hold for themselves and an acute awareness of how far short they fall from that ideal. And so the paradox of Christmas is that at the same time that so many people are happy and joyful and excited to celebrate the season with those that they love, there are also those who are sad and grieving and struggling and who are desperately looking for some form of hope. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. 
The question this Advent season is not so much how can we celebrate Christmas in a world of pain and hurt and sadness. The question is how much we desperately need Christmas in a world that has that kind of pain and hurt and sadness. We need the hope that the Christ child brings. We need that hope in our hearts. But what is hope? And what does it mean to live in hope, to live with hope? Those are the questions that I want to focus on this morning. First, I would say hope is the steadfast belief that no matter what has happened, God is still at work in your life. And no matter what has happened, no matter what you've gone through, no matter how bad things may get, hope keeps us looking forward. Hope keeps us looking ahead. We can experience all kinds of terrible things, but hope reminds us that better days are ahead. Frederick Watts, who was the very popular 19th century Victorian painter, he once painted a famous picture that now hangs in London at the Tate Gallery, and it's called Hope. And the picture is, is a beautiful woman who is seated upon a globe, and she's blindfolded, and she holds in her hand a lute of which all the strings are broken except for one string, but still she plays that one string triumphant over all the world's sin and sorrow, pain and disaster, and that is what hope is. It gives you a feeling of inner peace and security and joy in life, no matter what else might be going on. And hope believes that God is still at work, even in the worst of situations. Secondly, this morning, I would say that living in hope is the opposite of living in fear. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. I have to be honest with you, but as I have grown older, I have started to see faith and hope as two sides of the same coin. You can't have faith without hope, and you cannot have hope without faith. I really do believe that there are two basic ways that we can live our lives. And I think it's a choice. The first is the way of fear, where life is a burden, where people always let you down, where nothing is ever good enough, everything is unfair, and this approach is grounded in cynicism and negativity and pessimism and disappointment, and fear becomes the dominating emotion and anxiety seems to rule the day. There's always somebody out to get you screw you over, hurt you, take what you have. And with this approach, you never get the credit or the recognition you deserve. You take your blessings for granted. You develop a sense of entitlement, and you complain often that things aren't as they should be. People who live this way are hardly ever happy, hardly ever satisfied, fulfilled, or content. They are very good at playing the victim, and any type of change is viewed as a threat. And this is truly a miserable way to live your life, but many choose it. The second way is the way of hope. And with this approach, life is exciting. Life is an adventure. Others do not control you, nor would you want them to. Joy is found in the small things. Nothing is taken for granted, and every day is viewed as a gift and an opportunity. 
You don't get bogged down with the past or become obsessed over the future. People who live this way learn to count their blessings on a daily basis, and gratitude becomes a way of being. And the fruits of the Spirit are important with this approach, including patience and kindness and gentleness and generosity and self-control. This approach to life tries to make the most of any situation and doesn't just complain about the circumstances. This approach involves a healthy recognition that many things are out of our control, and that's okay. This second approach to life is one that generates warmth and compassion and a sense of authenticity that leads to joy. Fear is kept in check. Intentional steps are taken to reduce anxiety and stress. And inner peace becomes very important. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. But these are people who move beyond selfishness and self-absorption so that they can learn to live for others. And they serve and they give back as a way of living. Living in hope, living the second way is a choice that we make. It's a choice that we make during the year, and it's also a choice that we make during the Advent season. There's too many people that live their lives in fear every day. Third, hope is a reminder that we never have to journey through life alone because we have each other. Paul says this in Romans 5. He says, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. And one of the reasons that hope does not disappoint is because there will always be other people there to help share our burdens, no matter what they might be. One of my theology professors at at Princeton, Donovan and I both had this guy. Uh, His name is Daniel Migliori. This is what he says about Christian hope. He says, Christian hope does not close our eyes to the suffering of the world. On the contrary, Christians believe that God cherishes the world, has created and redeemed it, and wills to have abiding communion with it. If we hope in life after death, then we cannot be indifferent to the suffering of life before death. He says, Christians are to proclaim the gospel and work with imagination and energy for the realization of the many little hopes for more justice and more peace and more compassion in our families, our communities, our churches, our nations, our international relationships. You see, no matter what we have to face in life, the good news about the Christian community is we don't face it alone. And it's much easier to shoulder your burdens in life if you're doing it with other people. Lastly, this morning, I would say that hope reminds us that the darkness never lasts. Or as John writes so eloquently in the fourth gospel, which is different from the synoptic gospels, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. You see, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Matthew tells us in his gospel that it was a world of poverty, uh, heavy taxation, tyrannical rulers like King Herod, uh, who wanted to put all the newborn babies to death. In fact, Herod even lies to the wise men. He says, go and find this child and and come and tell me where he is, and I'm going to go worship him. And Herod didn't want to worship him. Herod wanted to put him to death. He wanted to kill the new baby. He saw the baby as a threat 
to his throne. And so he wanted to eliminate that threat once and for all. The literature of the time says that the Israelite people lived with little hope for the future. One writer even said that the world was perishing, rotting, decaying, and reaching its end. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. But there are still people today who are walking in deep darkness. And it's these people who might be very close to you. They might be in your family. They might be in your circle of friends. They might be sitting in the office next to you. The darkness of addiction, the darkness of depression, the darkness of divorce and broken families, the darkness of loneliness, the darkness of financial struggles, the darkness of worry and fear, the darkness of unemployment, the darkness of cancer. But even in the midst of any of these things, we can find hope in the birth of Jesus Christ. And we need that hope. Every single one of us needs that hope. Advent is all about the coming of Christ into this world and into our hearts. And Jesus Christ is and always will be the light of the world. And it's on that hope that our faith is founded and sustained. Christmas reminds us that God is real. And God loves us so much that he, he comes to us in the form of a human being. God incarnate. God in the flesh. And nothing in this life or in death can ever separate us from the love of God. Amen.